He's interviewed dudes Time after time He's talked about feelings He's probably cried He had a co-host Yeah, maybe a few Ended up kicking him off Cause he's a solo too Andy Frasco's World Saving Podcast. I'm Andy Frasco. How's everyone doing today? How's our heads? How's our minds? Are we staying out of trouble? Are we not letting the booger sugar control our lives? Or whatever addictions you have, if it's um, whatever you feel insecure about you doing too much, just know that you're in control, that you're in control, that you're in control. And um, no one else is going to fight your demons besides yourself because until you believe that you have demons how how is anyone else going to believe that you have demons so if you got something going on in in your mind or if, if you've been being afraid to talk about something you've always wanted to talk about with somebody let that shit out suppression suppression will kill people because it makes us feel that we're alone and it makes us feel that we don't have anyone to go to when we're feeling low and that's not true just stay present people aren't going to judge you for having flaws and if they do fuck them we don't need people in our life that judge us over you know some bullshit tell them the fuck off and be the person you want to be because it's episode 100 and fuck yeah everyone we made it to 100 episodes wow unbelievable we made it to 100 episodes guys three years if you listen to me talk shit, unbelievable. I just want to say thank you so much. You know, I, I I brought this up in the beginning because I think about the person I was on episode one and the person I am on episode a hundred. And it wouldn't I wouldn't be the person I am at now if I didn't start becoming honest with myself. And this is why I started the podcast. This is why I wanted to have this outlet because I was too afraid to express how I feel to my loved ones and my friends and my bandmates. So I had to do it publicly to know that um, in my head that I could do it because, you know, you know me, I have fucking intimacy problems. I got uh, commitment problems. Uh, it's hard for me to be vulnerable in front of people, like in front of really close homies. And uh, I'm more vulnerable in front of strangers and, you know, because intimacy scared me. And that's why um, on this special episode, first off, we got Taylor Goldsmith from Dawes on the show, big show tonight. He's putting out a record uh, this week. And so we got him on the show to talk about it. And I, I grew up listening to the Dawes. I was always into that um, type of music. And I grew up in the same town as him. So just 
finally have a full circle conversation, you know, because I went to competing high schools with him. And to have a full circle conversation, it's going to be special. So I, I think you're going to like this interview a lot. And then after going back to my int- intimacy problems, I had one of my friends um, that I actually, we used to hook up like a couple of years ago. Her name's Taylor Nix, great singer. She's from Dallas, Texas. And we got drunk and uh, talked about <laughs> my intimacy problems and if I was a good lover and stuff. So it, it, it's going to be a fun episode. You're going to, I think you're going to enjoy all of it. We got a cool halftime, you know, we're just, it's a hundred episodes, you know, wow. You know, I look back at myself and like, I was a fucking mess starting episode one. I was talking about all my, you know, I had to, I had Yeti, um, my co-host and I had, um, didn't, I was just confused with if I wanted to keep doing music. I felt, I'm, you know, scared of just, you know, finding out who I was. And, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I was addicted to coke and addicted to drugs and and addicted to sex and all this stuff. And uh, when I first started the podcast and then I got to talk to a hundred amazing guests to help me understand that you got to love yourself. You got to love every inch of you because the minute you have any vulnerabilities, the fucking haters are going to peck right through that shit to make you bleed out. So if we are confident, if we're confident with ourselves, then no one could fuck with our aura. That's what I'm talking about. Do I have to put on the Eye of the Tiger music? No one could fuck with this shit because 100 episodes later, I found myself <laughs> through dick jokes and mental health talks with people. Um, but thank you for rocking with me for a whole 100 episodes. It's really special. I'm, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe um, we did it. You know, I'm... Like, you know, before I'm a commitment phobe and, you know, I, I normally give up on shit if it's relationships or if it's dreams. Like the only dream I haven't give up, given up on is music and this podcast. And um, it, it's special to see the fan base growing and growing and growing. And for that, I thank you. Um, but shout out to 14er, uh, Weed, Denver. Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, Colorado area, area weed, great weed. Um, smoking that stuff gives me retrospective on, um, you know, I smoke that when I'm kind of need a, a, a break, you know, I, I don't like psychoactive weeds. This doesn't have any psychoactive, so I'll smoke a joint. I used to smoke a shit ton of weed. I used to smoke all day, but weed got me all fucked up. And then I started testing out this 14er weed and um, I'm finally smoking a little more and uh, I don't feel crazy in my head. You know, and you get older and the things you used to love, you just, it, they, they don't love anymore. You know, it's hard um, as you get older. So shout out to 14er for bringing me back into the weed game where I don't have, because um, normally when I just smoke weed by my, without booze, I have definitely have anxiety. But when I start drinking and smoking and have this like, it doesn't work. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know how that is, but so I started testing out smoking weed without boozing again and uh, throughout this 14er weed and it's, it's been working. So shout out to 14er. If you're in the Colorado area, go get yourself some because they're good guys and they take care of us and they take care of the podcast. So let's take care of them guys. Um, what else do I got? Oh, we got a tour going on because um, I didn't really push anything during the Taylor stuff. I'm just, I'll do all my plugs right now. Um, we got, we got a tour guys. I'm fucking pumped up. Um, October 12th, we're in Omaha, 
October 13th, St. Louis. I think there's only like five tickets left. So at the time this comes on, it might be sold out, but give yourself a try. October 14th, Indianapolis, same deal, um, almost sold out. So go grab tickets. Um, then October 16th and 17th, I'm in Roanoke, Virginia for the Go Outside Fest. Then I'm playing a drive-in on the 18th, Richmond, Virginia. Then on the 20th, I'm playing Lexington, Kentucky at the Borough. 21st, I'm in Nashville, all my Nashville homies. Um, go get yourself some tickets. Our, our basement eat show sold out really quick. So, And this is half the size. We're playing at City Winery in Nashville on the 21st. So go grab tickets. Uh, October 22nd, um, Atlanta, Georgia. And then I have the day off on the 23rd. I think I'm going to go to Charleston early. Uh, uh, Brendan Bayless and Ryan Stasek are playing on the beach, so I might go over there and go party with them. Then our show is on the 24th at, I don't know, I forgot the name of it, but it's Into the Woods, you know, where that Into the Woods festival is. Um, they're throwing, I don't know if it's a private party, but just holler at me if you live in the Charleston area. I'll try, excuse me, I'll try to get you in. But yeah, two-week tour with the band. Wow, things are slowly coming back to normal. 100 episodes, it's going to be a good one. Um, I just want to say I love you. Thanks for rocking with me. Thanks for being with me. You're going to love this Taylor interview. Two Taylors, one podcast. Two Taylors on the episode, one podcast. Are you ready to rock? Because I am. Oh, and I got to say shout out to Joe Angel Howe. Shout out to Chris Lorenz. Shout out to the guys who basically helped me with this podcast. You know, it's not just me, you know, spin shit. You know, it's like it takes time briefing these interviews and it takes time building the shows and I wouldn't be anything without uh, my boy Joe, Joe Angel Howe from Buffalo, New York and our bass player Chris Lawrence from San Francisco. So this group of people and Sean Eccles for fucking writing all the theme music. I mean, it's a machine and we wouldn't make it to 100 episodes without all of us. So shout out to everyone on the squad, Brian Schwartz, Rachel. I love y'all. Um, all right, you ready for the podcast? Because I am. You ready? Let's fucking go. Taylor Goldsmith up next. All right. Next up on the interview hour, big band, Taylor Goldsmith from Dawes. He's putting out a new record this week. Uh, we got to talk. He lives in LA. Um, just recently married to Mandy Moore, too. Yo, Chris, play a new Dawes track. Uh, I, I just listened to it. Schwartz, uh, let me listen to it. And- my manager manages Dodge as well and um, it's fucking good and it's nice and it's the lyrics are always good I mean this band this guy these guys write great fucking songs um, they did that record uh, with like uh, My Morning Jacket Dudes and, oh Basement Tapes the Basement Tapes about uh, you know Bob Dylan's like tracks that didn't get released or like lyrics that didn't have music and it was like guy from Mumford and Sons uh, Taylor and it was uh, My Born Jacket uh, with Jim James. It was, it was a great doc about, um, I forgot the producer's name, but uh, go check it out. And they got a new record. So ladies and gentlemen, we talk a little bit about everything. We talk a little bit about living in Los Angeles, talk about his new marriage with Andy Moore, and all that good stuff. So enjoy Taylor Goldsmith, and I'll catch you on the tail end with Taylor Nix. Man, it'll be fun. All right, guys. If that holds you back from anyone that cares for you Who, who do you think you're talking to? What do you want me to say today? Frankly, I think we would be remiss 
Pretty good. How are you doing? Dude, uh, we uh, actually grew up in the same town, kind of. I grew up in the Valley. Did you grow up in the Valley? I grew up in Malibu, so we actually were probably were, like, not allowed to be friends back then. <laughs> the beef. Yeah, <laughs> I, grew up in, uh, I grew up in Calabasas. Oh, right on. Tell me about your childhood growing up. Growing up in Malibu, <laughs> trying to be a folk singer. Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Because, um, like, I never... I, we moved to Malibu when I was, like, 11, so mm-hmm. I didn't get there early enough to, um, to like, learn how to surf and learn how to be a beach guy when everyone else was because they just grew up there. So they never, never, it was never a second thought. Yeah. And for me, I'm just naturally an unathletic person. <laughs> so, like, me trying to, like, expedite that learning curve wasn't going to happen. Like, I, I went to the... the I went to the beach camps in the summer and stuff. I was like, Mom, I'm so embarrassed and I'm so chubby and I just want to stay <laughs> home. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so, I, I, so I got into music um, and I, I you know, had a lot of wonderful r- friendships in Malibu, but I just never felt like I was like part of that crew. So mm-hmm. by the time like it, we started playing music, you know, I was working with um, my buddy Blake Mills who uh, we, we grew up there together and, you know, we were listening to Steely Dan and Dave Brubeck and just Queen and just different stuff. And, um, and the, we played the Malibu Wind with like a bunch of bands. Mm-hmm. We'd be one of the, the several bands. Um, and it would be like Simon Dawes, which is our band. And then Face Humper was one of the bands. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then like White Star was the other band with Cisco Adler as like one of the lead yeah. singers. So we'd go up there and try to play our like nerdy jazz, like, <laughs> like rock whatever it was and then they'd go up there with no shirts and boas and makeup <laughs> and like and just and all the young girls were just going crazy for them like it was the kind of thing where my mom's like once your set's over you come straight home oh really? <laughs> yeah so it was really funny being there because we and 
and because we were like, you know, 16, it was that, that kind of thing where it felt like these are the biggest bands in the world. You know, like these yeah. bands are about to be, they're going to go from Malibu in straight to Staples because our <laughs> perception of that was totally off. And Malibu also, all due respect, like has, it just is a bit of a bubble. Like, mm-hmm. like the way we were all dressing and the way the community was so insular that like it felt very separate from LA. So if you were, white star or even simon dawes and you had enough people showing up at the malibu inn you felt like we're on the verge of something even though like outside of that like no one's ever heard of you you know it was really kind of deceptive in that way but like to your credit i mean there's something must been in the air because you guys got successful cisco adler got successful like Dwayne betts got successful it's like it does isolation have something to do with it yeah, you start to wonder if, like, like you know, I mean, I look at Blake this that way too. Like Blake, oh yeah, Blake, yeah, too. Blake just you know works on fucking the new Bob. killing it. Yeah, just worked on the new Bob Dylan, produced the huge Alabama Shakes record, making his own amazing music. Um, and he, yeah, he's he's. I think he's the kind of guy where anybody that was around him was sort of propped up, and and it goes in all directions. Like Blake uh, worshipped Dwayne, you know, and mm-hmm. and Dwayne was in a band with Alex Orbison and we all worshiped Alex. Like it just, and then Alex was in our band for a while. Like, I think like when there's enough like strong personalities that are like destined for some version of greatness, it, it forces everybody else to sort of rise to that. Like I I went to elementary school in Glendale and had Mm -hmm. I stayed out there, I think it's really likely that I wouldn't have gotten um, better at what I did. And I wouldn't have been challenged by those around me. And I think, I'm not saying like, you know, I think Malibu had something special going on at that time, the same way that any place does at its yeah. respective moment. That just happened to be a thing then where I look back and it's like, wow, the, so the, this many people are doing amazing things now. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, I think you're right. I think there was just something going on in that moment that just it had maybe less to do with the, the community, but more to do with the insulation that you're talking about. What started giving you angst about growing up? Um, I mean, it's funny. Like, I, I, I yeah, I think there is something that, like, I never felt like I was from there. And, like, even I went, we moved there and I was in sixth grade. By the time we were, I was in 12th grade, I still felt like the new guy that doesn't know, like, like, doesn't have a pair of board shorts. You know, I just yes. never, even though those were my bros, like, like, I felt welcomed by any community in the, in the school, but I just never felt like I belonged anywhere except with Blake, you know, and then a few mm-hmm. musician friends. Um, but th- like that aside, honestly, like, like a friend of mine once said to me, like, dude, like your music sounds so sad. And you are like, you're like, and this was earlier. I, I like to think there's more humor in my music now, but, but um, like on our early records, like this buddy of mine was like, all you're ever doing is joking. All you're ever doing is laughing. And if anybody just heard your music, they would assume you're like the saddest sack that they'd ever want to meet. Um, and I and I and I and it almost like hit me like a challenge. I was like, that's not right because you know, you, if you met anybody that makes art, you're trying to like get across the the complete picture of your humanity to to some degree, you know, to share to share all aspects of you. And and I don't like it when when like my like when someone is is only one thing or the other. So yeah. I, I sort of took that as like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not cool with that. And I, yeah. I it, and so I, I've, I've tried to like bring some of that, whether it's joy or confidence or whatever, I've tried to bring that into like more recent stuff. I also feel like to what, to your question, like 
some people have told me, I mean, I'm not, I'm not tooting my own horn, but like fans are, will say shit like, well, he just seems like such like a deep wise guy. And I'm like, actually, I think I feel much more confused than anybody else. I mean, I think I'm just willing to like ask the question. Yeah. So it makes me sound like I know more than you do. But in fact, you probably, you know, someone else might be way more like adjusted to a certain aspect of reality than I am. So it's, it's, it's funny that the impression that one leaves when one creates art, because it seems like they know more when, when the reality might be the exact opposite. Do you think it's like judging a book by its cover? Yeah, maybe. Like you just, you see, you see a certain key, a certain group of like factoids, like, Oh, this guy writes folk songs. Like, Oh, is like, doesn't mind talking about heartbreak. Doesn't, you know, then you may, yeah. Then you maybe like assume someone's a certain way and it turns out that's not accurate. Why do, you, why do you think that is in the mind state? Did you think it's by uh, because we have to like categorize everything? You know, <laughs> genre wise, you know, like what, why did we have to make genres or cate- put musicians in a, uh, you know, in a stamp? Why can't we just be the people that we want to be at that time? Yeah, man. I mean, like, I'm, I feel like when, when critics will ask me, like, so do you hate like when people say your band is part of the Laurel Canyon sound or do you hate with, like, they'll just come up with some like phrase and, and I'll, but I try to be nice. I try to say like, you know, honestly, like if you want to call my band a punk rock band, like, thank you for talking about the band. You know, I don't, yeah. I, but the reality is like no artist, like to your point, no artist is ever going to appreciate being reduced to some tagline to yeah. some, to some like pull quote. Nobody yeah. wants to like, embody a genre because then that creates confines they have to live up to like i don't think kurt cobain appreciated being called a grunge artist i don't think any artist appreciates being called anything that's why we all love these like big broad terms like rock and roll that's something that we could all like (laughs) accept because it's big enough that it includes everyone um but like when someone wants to say like oh your music is this doesn't matter who you are, you're going to resist that. It's like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. I don't like, man, why don't you just listen to it and stop trying to, like, uh, uh, you know, try to sum it up in two sentences? Yeah, it's kind of fucked up because I, I get that too. Cause I'm, my band's like more of a live band. So they'll, 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 they'll view me for drinking fucking Jameson on and you getting wild and crowd surfing, not listening to the lyrics. It's like, we're judging people in 10 seconds. I, I think it's the ADD culture, man. We like everyone gives each other 45 second shot to like something. Yeah. And it's like, and they're rewarded by that. Like, yeah. like if, you, if you, if you give the version of an article that is like the most sensational, like if someone like is going to review my record and they're going to be like, here's why it's like really solid. And here are the things that I don't like about it. And it's, you know, it's, it, blah, 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 it's and, like, I feel like if you see that link, on Twitter with like the headline of whatever that yeah. would be, you're going to be like, I don't really care about reading that. But if someone says best record of the last 10 years or biggest piece of dog shit made by human beings, then yeah. people want to click it. So it's yeah. like you, it, it, like the simpler and more sensational we can make it like, re, you know, reducing your music to just like the, the, the simplest, most extreme ver- like thing that isn't even true to what you do. Yeah. They get rewarded for that. Yeah. Does that what bums you out about the music industry, if anything? Um, I mean, man, it's it's tough to answer that because like I do feel like one of the luckiest people in the music industry. Um, I mean, you worked your ass off, bro. <laughs> I I I appreciate that and I yeah, I do feel like I've worked hard, but I also feel like um like a guy that makes the kind of music I make like should not get to do what I gotten should not have the career that I have. I mean, I don't like I've had friends of mine who are also in this 
say to me like, dude, if this was 1992, we would be millionaires. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Like we're not. And we maybe we would have been had we been around at a different time. But it's hard to live in that kind of like, what if uh, of the past, you know, because the mm-hmm. reality is the idea of me playing, writing songs that are like five minutes long or six minutes long. And I have a bunch of acoustic guitars and words and there's no and it's really slow. <laughs> like the, the fact that like I can carve out any space at all. Yeah. feels like pretty insane. So, yeah. um, I mean, yeah, like there's aspects of the music industry that are a bummer. Like I, I'm sad that like that, that every way that people can, li- that people tend to digest music now is, is not, is not supportive of like the record, you know, it's sort of yeah. like, it's sort of like the, the, the way we hear music has taken away the medium in which personally I like to make music. Yeah. And so I could say that, but the reality is like, that's the kind of fan we've ended up with is the fan that does want us to make records and not just for singles or EPs. So it's hard for me to like gripe about stuff that like, because of the community that, that is like that, that has been created around us, we're actually still getting to experience. So that's what I mean when I say like, it's hard to answer that because I feel so goddamn lucky. Yeah. I mean, how, how important is authenticity to you? Um, I mean, it's everything. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I, I, I feel like we were in this amazing position. I think it's because of the people that we had around us and just our like, you know, undercurrent submarine connection as four members of the band where we never thought about it. We never thought about like, what's, what is, where's the culture at? Where's the counterculture at? Where, where do we exist in this? Like for us, it was like, how do we keep making music we want to make that feels true to us and like, and who's going to keep paying for it and who's going to keep letting us. And, (laughs) and, and, you know, I think it wasn't until recently, like, I think like on our last record or something where we kind of came up for water and we're like, well, we like built something without even really realizing it. Like, it seems like we were, you know, incredibly insistent upon only being true to our artistic visions when the reality is like, we were we kind of had we were in a our own little world together our own little bubble together so like i think that authenticity is yeah it's number one because i feel like when someone isn't isn't staying true to that i feel like the audience will hear it before the artist will well yeah it's like it's like saying like fan emulates artists when artist is authentic when we're not when we're chasing the rabbit's tail to try to write songs for the scene i feel that's when we start getting trapped in our head as songwriters like what we want to be, you know? Do you believe in legacy? Do you think about legacy a lot? Um, I do, but I try to remind myself that, like, it doesn't matter as much as I like to think it is. Like, mm-hmm. I think it does. Like, um, <laughs> I think I think it's a I think it's sort of like um, sort of like Instagram or something, where there's like this dopamine hit when you think about it, but the reality is like it doesn't really matter. Does it's just sort of this this dream or this, this ideal that you might have in your head, but it's never going to look like that. Like, but with all that said, like the artists that I've always drifted towards most, whether it's like writers or filmmakers or musicians, it's always been the artists with like deep catalogs. Like I've never been the big fan, like not, not like mad at it, but like those amazing songwriters or bands that come around and they make one record and they disappear. Like Mm -hmm. I love those stories, but like, and I get into those records. It's not like that, whether or not you make one record or 20 has any bearing on how good your writing is. But in terms of the ones that I really like dig in with and really want to emulate, it's typically those artists that like, 
like that their whole career suggests a life dedicated to the art. So in that sense, I do really think about legacy a lot. Um, but I also try to like, you know, like we just announced a couple days ago, like that, that we're going to have a kid and like, let's and fucking I- go big guy. Let's go. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Get that baby dog. We'll yeah, talk I'm all so, about it. I'm so psyched. <laughs> and, and I think it's moments like that where you start, start to think like, you know, I want to take care of my family. I want to, I want to be a happy person, but these ideas of like legacy and stuff, they, they don't mean anything compared to being close to the people that you love, you know? Yeah. You know, when did, have you ever had a kid before? No. First kid. First kid. How old are you? Your kids? Oh, not that I know of, I hope. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, have you ever had any low moments in your life? Like maybe like you're just burnt out or any of those type of moments? I think like, it's always in hindsight. Mm-hmm. It's always like afterwards where like, where I look back and was like, wow, I was really like desperate to, you know, be, be like, di- like be around people, be, be go, whether I was meeting friends at bars or trying to date. Like, I think there was moments in my life only looking back where I was like, that didn't seem like healthy behavior. And I didn't even mm-hmm. block it in the moment. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, is that something that you've dealt with a lot? Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's when you stop being present. You know, because when we're dealing through depression presently, you, there's no time to retrospect, right? Right. Like, have you ever had points in where you just wanted to quit the band or quit playing music or? I mean, like never, I guess because I felt so like, I, I felt so terrified that it's because that it was all that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So for that reason, I never felt like I could quit. If anything, I would be scared of how much I needed it. Um, and so, like in those those moments, I'd be like, "Man, this I can't imagine this is healthy." Like other people, like have a lot. Like other people, you know, we, when we all left high school and college or whatever, and we're all starting to tour, all these other guys and bands are like, "Yeah." And then I met my wife, and like when I st- got another job, and then I or or I still tour, but it's not what it was. Whereas like we were still like sleeping on people's couches, and we were still like like just never home and we just and 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 i start i felt that i was perceived as crazy i felt like well i have to do this i don't know what my options are other people have options like even like i mentioned blake earlier blake was like we were in bands early on and he's like dudes i I don't want to tour i can't tour was he producing back then he wasn't but he knew he could because he's such a fucking genius genius. Yeah. yeah so like he knew that like He'd already t- had little glimpses of like being a session guy in LA and being a producer in LA. Um, not maybe not a producer, but being a session guy. And he knew he wanted to produce. And for me, it was like, I don't have that skill set. I'm not good enough. Um, and and I, I do what I do. I write songs and I play guitar and I sing. I don't produce, I don't play on people's sessions. Yeah. So for me, it was just like, man, I wish I had your menu, you know, wish I had your list of options because I just don't. That's how it always felt, whether or not that's true. How long were you in a band with Blake? We met when I was like 12 and he was 11, I think. And you were playing music that young with him? I mean, he, I was like, a, I mean, like, I, I feel like I, like he's told this story. So, I mean, I have to just like accept the fact that it's, it's okay. What's your side of the story of it though? Well, it's true. He's not wrong. I mean, like he, uh, when we met, cause I was 12, like I was in, I was a normal 12 year old and he was like a freak. Cause yeah. when we met. Like my parents were like, why don't you sing that song you sang with your voice teacher? And I think I sang something from like the Lion King or some shit. And like, and he, and they're like, Blake, why don't you play him some of the guitar stuff you're learning? And he played Eruption by Van Halen. 
Oh like notes God. for himself. No, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Taylor <laughs> rocking the Lion King. He's rock- <laughs> what did you like about him in that point in your life? Were you like envious of his openness or? We, we didn't, we didn't connect then. We did, it was just sort of that my parents had met, they introduced us. So we clocked each other and then we just started going to school and we, I would see him around. He was like, he was like this bad boy skater. Like he was really good at skating. There was actually a point in his life where he um, said to me that like, he, he's like, I was skating so much and I was playing guitar so much that I had to decide. And I think honestly, had he decided skating, I think he would have still been the skater he is like he's still like he just it would have been it would have been skating instead of music like he's that he was that that good so what was Uh, the first moment then when you guys like i don't i don't i I wish i remembered that like when we reconnected i think it was like a talent show was coming up and we were like oh i remember when in high school at this point it's still middle school yeah okay but but i think like with him i've always and i still admire this about blake is that he always had this quality of like he could he could he could say like I don't care about this tour or I don't care about like this school or I don't care. Like yeah. I don't care about like having a hit, like fuck these record labels that want to tell us we need something more commercial, you know? Yeah. Whereas so. I've always been a little bit, I mean, I hate to admit it, but I've always been a little bit more the kind of guy like, this is how it's done. This is how people tend to do this. So like if we're supposed to tour 250 days of the year, then like let's start booking it where mm-hmm. he's the kind of guy to be like, I not, I don't want to. And I'm perfectly happy. Like, discovering a new way to do that same work and and he's always landed on his feet because he's so smart and he's so talented so and i i've always envied that for me it's always been like what like what's the right way to do this like i i and i want to be like a maverick i want to be a wild man but and i and i feel free in in a lot of ways i feel free in the way that i make music and 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 the, the fact that i can do whatever i want in that regard but in terms of how that's like delivered to the world Sometimes I feel like I, I'm not as like um, I'm not as free as guys like that. Yeah, it seems like a yin and yang situation. Why didn't it work out with you guys being in a band? Because he didn't want to tour, and and, yeah. and it really it's really what it came down to. And I mean, you know, I will for sure admit, like we were at that point early twenties, and like yeah. like we were fu- we were we were finally becoming separate beings. Like I think when we met that second time and started writing songs together, we really were like this we were we were depending on each other like you're the guitar player i'm the singer we write everything together and then as time went on we both started to feel like we you know we started growing up into fully formed humans and we started being intimidated by like what the other represented i think blake was like i'm actually a songwriter and a singer too and Mm -hmm. that obviously threatened me because i'm like i was an insecure singer so i was like well if you sing then what am i good for so I would like sort of buck against that and and he would buck against me wanting to like write a song by myself a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to like it's 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 I, I'm so grateful that we're friends now again. Yeah. Like we were friends pretty soon after, but we were we're, we're very close. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not proud of the way I I communicated in those times with anybody, with my parents, with girls, with Blake. Like it was just I was I, I you know, I think when you're in at those ages, early 20s, you're not at least in my experience. You're not quite aware yet that other humans like are people too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's like it's, the world re- revolves around you, you know. Yeah, and you just don't really understand. Like, yeah, you're like, well, this is what I need to do for me, so I'm going to do it. Like, you don't yeah. really always think about ramifications. Um, and then as you get older, that all like pours in, and you're like, oh my god, I was like a bull in a china shop when I was 22 years old. Like, I'm so glad I didn't kill anyone. <laughs> Where's the? Where, where do you think the angst comes from when when we're that young? 
I feel like I wonder, I, I, I wonder if it's just like our brains aren't fully formed. Like, and yeah. we don't know how to like, we don't know why other people are telling us like we, it, we feel like we're the smartest people on the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we have the answers to everything. So when other, when other people, when they, so like when our 20 year old versions hear a podcast like this, yeah, like fuck everybody. Like I know who I am. I know, I know what I need to know. And then you get older and you're like, Oh wow. I, 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 that, that, that wasn't so accurate. And I'm sure that'll continue to go along. I'm sure I'm 35 now. I'm sure when I'm 45, I'll be like, wow, I was a dope at 35. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, I think that's a good thing. I hope. It is halftime at the Andy Fresco interview hour. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sports with Dolove. He's talking shit about the game. He's got a weird fucking name. This week we're going to be talking some NBA Finals! Episode 100, NBA Finals Edition. First time since 2010. Fucking Lakers back in the finals. My phone fell. My fucking phone fell. LeBron James, the motherfucking Lakers, did it. Made it to the finals. They did it. Ah, my fucking jazz. We showed some fucking great. Love me some Don Mitchell. Love me some Rudy Gobert. It's supposed to be our year. Ah, fucking COVID. Motherfuckers. All right. Who they playing though? Who they playing? The Heat. Who knows? The, the Celtics. Celtics. Who the fuck cares? Sports doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Andy motherfucking Frasco, episode one hundred, world saving podcast. Holy Let's shit. Go. Clippers, trash. I'm literally parked outside of my house in front of a trash can, a huge trash can, and that's all the Clippers were. They are trash all along. We all fucking knew it. I tried to hype them up. I did. But all for nothing. Fucking trash cans, dude. Esports with Dolaf. Episode 100. Burr, burr, burr. You keep on saying, like, I had to do the right thing. I had to do the right thing. For doing the right thing, were you putting away other things that you wanted to do? That's one thing I've never felt, which I'm very grateful yeah, for. I've that's never, great. I've never felt like I missed out on so I mean, I'm you know, I'm sure that'll rear its head at some point. But you know, it's almost like like I, I think about it in terms of uh, birthdays. You know, I, I know some friends of mine that hate birthdays, and I kind of love it because I feel like it. Feel, the, each birthday, I'm able to like look and say to myself like all right i turned 35 and i'm cool with this so far so that's a win yeah Um, like if i was if i was turning 35 and i was like where things were at 12 years ago Mm -hmm. and i was still like you know like sleeping on couches and all that then maybe i would be like i don't don't, i'm not comfortable um so in that sense i've felt very very lucky um but you know there's things that i would love to do that i'm too scared of like i got a I, I got a saxophone recently. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Let's go. <laughs> and I haven't even opened it. Like I'm Why? scared. I feel like I just know that like, like when you're learning how to do something, like when we were learning how to write songs, I feel like we were young enough to not know how bad we were. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you've done all that training that you've needed to do to be good, that's when you're sort of like your tastes are developing and you, you're waking up a little bit. So like when I sucked at writing songs at 15, I didn't have to deal with the, that reality. 
I just thought I was good because I was 15. So yeah. uh, when I then when I was like 24, 23, and like I started to re- really know how I felt about what a good song meant. Yeah. And I looked back at that, I just like wince. But like I don't know if I could go through that at 35. I just, oh, I can, but I just feel like it'd be that much harder. Like the same goes for like I would love to write a book. Like, my favorite thing to do is reading. I've never I've only written songs. The only thing I know how to write because I I'm terrified of, of that period in which I would just suck at it, you know? So the fear of su- starting something new as your brain is a, a man. Yeah. Is like the idea and that's, I mean, that's, that's the hardest thing. So like now you're at a point in your life where you're like, you're committed to family and you're committed to having a baby and congratulations on that. Does that scare you as well? Cause this is new to you as well. Um, yeah. You know what? That's, a, that's a cool way to look at it. That's a cool question. Like to put it in that lens, like why shouldn't this scare me? The, everything else that I'm not good at or don't know how to do does once you like, you know, th- like, yeah, like relationships is a really good analogy because I think that in early relationships, I would feel like if there, if anybody would say to me, like, so you guys going to live together? I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I don't want to talk about that. Like, I have no idea. We, we haven't discussed that. I don't know how to do that. I've never done that. And like, geez, like I would really like, I would, it would terrify me and I wouldn't even engage with the thought. And then how old I, were you at this, at this moment when you're thinking? Um, 25, 26, okay. 7. And then when I met my wife, I was 29 mm-hmm. and I, and I attribute 90% of this to her being the one, but I think 10% was also just me getting to a place of like, whatever, let's do this. Like, 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 or in, and, and I think I was, and again, I wouldn't have done, it was, I don't, I'm not trying to imply like, I would have just fallen in love with anybody at that point. That's not the case. Um, but it's, but I, it, there was this feeling of like, I, I don't really know this person and she's going to fly out to tour and hang out with me for eight days. Sounds like a recipe for disaster, but let's fucking do it. Yeah. And, and then when like getting home, like, Oh, it seems like we're like staying every night with each other. Like either she's at my place or I'm at her place every single night. Seems a little early for that. Don't care. Enjoying this. Just going to roll with it. And then when it came time to like, actually like move in together and actually get engaged, like, I, I kept kind of looking at it like this might blow up in my face, but I want to do this and I don't know how to do it. And so I'm just going to dive, dive head first. Mm-hmm. And maybe the same thing, it, maybe the same thing goes for, should go for writing a book or playing saxophone. I'm just like, I don't know how to do this. It might blow up in my face, but like all the more reason to just like go the whole hog. Yeah. It's like taking fear out of the equation. When we take fear out of the equation, then I think we're, we're the most powerful. We're the most vulnerable. You know, we're an open yeah. vessel. Yeah, and it's and 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 it's cool to hear you put it that way because like taking fear to the equation doesn't take your risk of failure out of the equation. No, the risk yeah. of failure is still just as high. Yeah, um, but you're willing to accept that in a new way that you weren't when you held on to so much fear. Do you have that philosophy when or that uh, that idea of self every time you put out a new record? I do now. I, I didn't before. Like, I think there was... Why now? Um, I think but now because, like, I just... I, in a, in, I feel... Um, I don't know. I just know what that looks like now, I guess. Like, I think when I was... Uh, when, I was when we were putting out our second and third record, like, what a certain magazine wanted to say about it really carried a lot of weight for me. And would really, like... I'd really want to make sure I was... They, that, that people approved of what I did. Yeah. And, um... And then, you know, some people would like it and some people wouldn't. And it would hurt 
or it would feel, well, actually, this is actually interesting. Like a friend of mine who's, who's actually a really successful songwriter said to me once, like, you can't read the reviews because the bad ones destroy you and the good ones are never good enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, that was what I was going to ask you. Like, I mean, like, you probably look at a thousand fucking people, thousand reviews and everyone loves your ass and you'll look at that one motherfucker, dude. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, like, that's, why, that's why, like, that's why I don't love reading any reviews like i, I yeah. you, know, you inevitably read a couple because it just they come across yeah. your eyeballs and you read it but i did go out like like last with our last record passwords i got we got a bad we got our first review on pitchfork which is funny we've never been reviewed by them what? yeah like well it's just like we're not their bag like we're not know, I get that it. indie cred thing nor do so we want funny it. yeah but um but they didn't like it and i was like i knew they wouldn't like it yeah. I would have rather than just not even if they if they haven't acknowledged us for five albums, might as well like stay the course. And and I never read it. And because I feel like that would have given it power in my brain, you know, it would have given it like validation that you yeah, still that care I, about what people fucking think of yeah, you. Yeah, that I gave a shit about what they think. Like yeah. and, and I I I welcome what they think. I think like if they hate my music, I'm I'm down because I, I hate music too. There's some music <laughs> that I hate. And I'm yes. and I'm entitled to hating it, yes. and um and if some so I'm not I don't begrudge a bad review right it's like please like you're a mm. critic there's a lot I think there's a lot of responsibility with that role I think art depends on good criticism you know yeah. if people are really paying attention to that stuff but like I don't not when it's like like Pitchfork has made it very clear where you know yeah. how they feel about music so I don't anyway no disrespect to Pitchfork um, yeah. but it's just like it was just like I, the idea. Yeah, and even if it, because I also, like, there's the Maya Angelou quote of, like, if you don't pick it up, then you don't have to put it down. Like, if I don't, if I believe the good stuff, then I have to believe the bad stuff. Yeah. So, um, if I'm able to look at a good review and be like, that's one person's opinion and it doesn't reflect how everybody might feel, um, like, I have to say it for the good and the bad. That's why, like, I really just try to not, I try to just do it for me and do it for, like, Dawes fans. Yeah. Dogs, we're so lucky that Dawes fans are like the best fans because we don't have hits and they don't care. And we don't have, we don't do the same thing twice and they don't care. Like we, like when we don't, it's not like when you go to a Dawes show, it's like, oh yeah, they play like 70% of that second record that blew up and then they don't really play, yes. they play one or two from everything else. It's not really like that. We, we like play it all. Like we, we cover the same amount of ground on all of our records. And I don't know how common that is. I mean, maybe. Do you care you don't have a single? Um, it's one of those things where like, I think over time I figured out how to like be cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like obvious. And, and so I'll say like, you know, in a conversation like this of like, no, it's good. You know, it's good to not have a single, but like, I would welcome the opportunity, you know, mm -hmm. like if, if a song of ours like blew up, I would love to see how we've navigated that. But I have been around like in 2013, we opened for Bob Dylan mm -hmm. and, um, and his production manager, this guy named Al, was really cool. He at the he was our pal, and we would always hang with him backstage. Um, and at the end of the whole thing, he was like, you know, he guys, I want to tell you something. And he like took us into his office, and he's like, if I could give you any advice as a young band, it would be don't have a hit. <laughs> um, because he looked at like Neil Young's experience with a hit and the Grateful Dead's experience with a hit, both artists that he like worked with. And, um, and it was like really hard and really didn't make sense for the kind of music they made. It makes sense when you're Bruce Springsteen or you're Tom Petty because you keep delivering the hits. Yeah. But when you're like Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, like 
these artists that like aren't even trying to play that sport but then yeah. then inevitably like have a hit anyway it's like people expect you to follow that up and like yeah. that's like a unrealistic thing for an artist like the dead or neil young you're totally right i mean like after your second record the pressure of like yeah was, what was your most popular record you, you think to date May, I don't know. I actually don't know. Maybe that or the fourth one. Yeah. Okay, you're 26, full of fucking... <clears throat> yeah. You know, and then that the next record after that, not having the same um, effect in your brain, because it was the same effect to your fans. Did that fuck right. you up? Um. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start to, like, do this, like, backwards math of, like, well, what should I have done? What could I have done? Because you always hear these stories, and people like these narratives. I mean, I did an interview yesterday where, like, Oh, you're releasing your seventh record. Like when Pink Floyd did their seventh record, that was one record, one record before Dark Side. So maybe your next one's going to be a masterpiece. I'm like, whoa, like that's ridiculous. Like, I, I mean, that'd be cool, but like, that's just every band has a different road to, to like the promised land. And I, I don't, I've, I've stopped, um, angling for that. I think on our third record, there was a part of me that was like, man, I was hoping for that, like, that that tune or that song or that that um that 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 album that was gonna take us from whatever venue we were playing i think we were playing like the fonda in la Mm -hmm. to like you know the greek and like that's that didn't happen and i think like i've stopped i've stopped trying to like follow that path i've I've stopped caring about where that path is because the reality the fact that like it's 2020 now we've been in band for 11 years and we're putting on our seventh record. It's like, that's, that's a win. That's insane. Yeah. That's, that's like, no one gets to do that. And bro, so, no bands fucking stay around this long yeah. anymore, bro. <laughs> yeah. You and your homies have been kicking it for a long fucking time. And it's fun. I'm going to give a shout out to that. Let's go boys. Keep that dream alive. No, serious. Like, man, there's, I mean, I've, my question to you is like, do you feel like having a kid and, Falling in love has put less pressure on your brain to overthink success. Um, yeah, for sure, because you start to realize like what success really is, and I you start to like what is it? Um, well, that I think like 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 peace of mind and 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 and, and true connection and 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 like obviously not everyone has to be married, not everyone has to have kids, but like but like wholesome connection with other human beings, where and also like an acceptance of yourself, and that's so cliche. But I think it's a fact. Like I know I have friends of mine that are like fucking stars, like yeah. like very successful musicians. And when I'm around them, there's a little bit of like that anxiety and that fear of like, how do I maintain this thing that I built? And and it seems like and whatever. I mean, God bless those guys. I I love their music and I love them as people. So it's not a it's I don't I don't I'm not I'm not trying to sound like I'm judging them. Um, but I just see that like, oh, like they're they're bouts with anxiety and fear i have not been t- sorted out by their success yeah. i like we, uh, we're going through the same thing when we both allow ourselves to and i suffer sometimes like when a record's mm-hmm. coming out i mean especially with covid you know like there was a moment where i thought like i'm i'm a year away from needing to go like wait tables or something you know it's just like Holy sh- in your head Taylor. <laughs> it's yeah, crazy it's like- how we self-sabotage our dreams totally yeah but i don't think i'm an exception like there's there's um there's like this this book where uh actors are interviewing actors and like robert redford not redford duvall and robert de niro are interviewing each other this is back in like the 80s or something i think like after casino and like 
and they and one of them asked the other, I forget who asks who, um, what's your biggest fear after you finish a film? And the other one says, like, that'll never work again. And the other one says, me too. And this oh, is Robert shit. De Niro. I know, it's crazy. So I what? feel like this 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 thing of like all of us fearing our like our in impending irrelevance, like we all have a version of that. It's just as much as like how much can we like acknowledge it and get it under control and recognize like the bullshit that it is, um, or not. Do you think we need that to be great artists? Um, I do think that there is a like a kind of fucked up relationship with ambition to be a great artist. Like yeah. I think you need to like because, you know, I can't control if I'm a better guitar player or or a better songwriter than the next guy. Um, but I can control if I, I can't out hustle him. Yeah, that is something I do have control over. So I found for a long time, like my my efforts towards wanting to be the best I could be would manifest as like write another song, take another tour. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. We're singing. We're, we're playing for an extra 30 minutes. Like just that kind of attitude of like, um, just like yeah, blind ambition. And I, and I don't think, I think it's, it's, I think it's, um, the opposite of like enlightenment. Like, I think mm -hmm. it's the opposite of like what it takes to like find peace of mind as a human being. But I do think it's a commonality among, um, successful artists because I think like being an artist period requires a certain level of narcissism you yeah. have to assume people give shit about what you have to say which is a pretty incredible <laughs> uh, uh, you're totally right bro you're <laughs> totally fucking right i never thought of it that way no it's so true i mean like god once we get out of our we need that we need that to fuel it but i also believe I, i'm the same way taylor because i think i learned my hustle by living in los angeles really yeah, just being in front of all these people who scare the shit out of you, all these labels telling you who the fuck they think you should be. And like, you haven't even, you, you've listened to two minutes of my demo. Like, what? Well, fuck you. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I've, I've always loved that about LA, even though it hurts. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, if you and I were to move to like, I don't want to name a place and bump yeah. people out, but if we, if we moved to some smaller town or smaller city and we were, and we told people like, guess what? Booked a tour gonna go gonna go out for like two weeks with my band and a bus and we're gonna tour like i feel like you know your friends in a small town would be like holy shit like you're the best biggest thing ever that's amazing and there would be so much celebration and in that way it would allow you to relax and be like wow yeah. like, you know i made it whereas in la like i could tell you like yeah man i just, you know i just got hired to be in the new like coen brothers movie as like the lead mm. role and like your friends would be like cool man and like no, <laughs> so true, dude. Because like we've all seen all versions of that, and we mm -hmm. all know. Okay, I believe when I see it because it never happens, and not not like it's not. It's just fact. It's not even yeah. like a, um, a uh, cynical attitude. It's just like we all know. We've all like it's all about how you maintain it, and all about how well you do for yourself. And and so sometimes like having all the friends that are just never impressed with anything, mm -hmm. and they all have this like we've seen it all kind of attitude. I feel like it's it's fueling, like you said, like it's like yeah. it's nice to be here because it keeps you motivated because it's never enough. Yeah, and that and the idea of never enough makes us want to keep creating. Yeah, because this, like you said, there's no plan B. I mean, the plan, yeah. yeah. I'm I, and I'm thankful we don't have a plan B, or we would have done that plan B. You know, absolutely. Plan if you yeah if you make a plan B, you're gonna you're gonna live it. You're gonna that's gonna be your life. That's a good point. 
Yeah. Hey, we talked for 43 minutes. We haven't talked about the new record. Brian's going to be pissed. Let's talk about the new record here. Uh, I love that we have the same manager. You're new with Brian. He's been with me for four years. He's the fucking best, dude. Yeah, I love him so much. He's so sensitive. He's a good guy. Um, Let's talk about it. You got a new record coming out on the third, right? Uh, second Friday. Second. So second. All right. What do you what do you what are you talking about? This it's it's actually not like in a weird roundabout way we've kind of been talking a lot about the record because the whole thing's sort of about um kind of coming to terms with adulthood. It's the first record I made with um while being a married man and like and 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 I guess like asking myself those hard questions of like do I still want to be getting on stage and acting like an eighteen year old? When at home, I'm living a very different life. Like, and how do I square that? Is that, am I cool with that? Maybe the answer is yes. And in fact, it is like, but I had to ask the question. Like, I think um, there, a lot of the record is about like, how do I, like, am I, like, yeah, like I, you know, I, when I'm around other people my age, like friends of mine that I went to high school with or, or not, I find that I, I, I find myself in these conversations where they know so much more about like, just like money and how the world works and like just like adult stuff and i'm like wow i don't know any of these things and and i think in a weird way being an artist protects you from like growing up and i and and i was scared that that was a bad thing and i think through the course of like writing the record i realized like that's actually something to be very grateful for um it's also a record about like letting go of like my my codependencies like recognizing when like I don't need to have an opinion. Um, you know, the one song is called none of my business. Another song is called good luck with whatever. Like there's a lot of that thing. (laughs) Like, you know, it's not my place anymore to like know what's right and wrong. And in fact, I feel like that can be oversimplifying. Was it hard to change your attitude towards that when you've been like that your whole life? Um, I think it happened gradually. I think like when I was like, when I was younger writing songs, like it was, it felt really like, yeah, like back with, like like that we were talking about with narcissism, like assuming people give a shit. Like yeah. you know, when I would write these write these, like songs off our first two records, there's a lot of like heartbreak songs and kind of airing my dirty laundry of like my relationships and stuff. Just thinking like, why wouldn't people want to hear it? You know. Yeah. Um, and then as I gotten older, just slowly but surely, being like, I love those kinds of songs, and I love writing those kinds of songs, but I want to make sure that I'm doing it in a way that feels like purposeful, like. And maybe that sounds annoying, but like, but like just no. do it in a way that like offers something more than just like sad facts, because like we all have that. Like, um, and so, yeah, sometimes I listen to a song and I'll want to cry and I'll be like, I don't know if that was helpful. <laughs> like, I don't like, I, like I, I, I'm down to cry and think about sad stuff, yeah. but like, I just want there to be some sort of like offering along yeah. with the, intel you know so like so so yeah so as i i I think that's just happened over time where now when i write and if i'm gonna go to those kinds of places i just i try to be mindful of like well why am i doing this is there a reason or Mm -hmm. is it because i know how yeah and do you when you're thinking about that whole telling the whole picture is that in a whole art of like a piece of work or in a song in one song itself are you talking about a whole record you want to say something are you talking about from a a to b on the on a song i guess both like i love the idea that a record can have a like a an impression to it like a real like spirit like a like a thesis statement a mission statement um but i also that's something that i try to be mindful of within a song just like to try to make sure that 
that even like um, as one, if no one listens to the record and they only hear this, that that it just feels like it serves, it it, it feels complete in of itself. Yeah, I feel that. Wow, thanks for talking to me, Tay. You're the man, yeah, man. dude. Appreciate you, and I'm look. I'm, I'm I've always been rooting for you ever since. I, I mean, I, I you you grew up in L.A., dude. It's like the Lakers, yeah. dude. Where I've I'm I'm rooting for you, and um, here, I, I appreciate. It. Very nice to meet you. Um, yeah. I got I got one last question for you. Um, I know you're not really down with legacy, but sit, let's say you were, and what what do you want to be? <laughs> what do you want to be remembered by? Um. I guess I want to be, I mean, like it's like that legacy part of my brain wants to be like, want to make 20 records as Dawes and have a whole body of work to show for it. But I'd rather just like, I mean, and and I feel that way, but, um, but I think at this point in my life, like the idea of, of, uh, people looking back and saying that guy was pretty patient and pretty kind and pretty easy going and, and, and like a joy to be around and, he didn't start like smelling too bad till he was super old. Um, like then, like that that would be great. Uh, you're you're on the right path, and uh, <laughs> thanks for being on the show. And don't be too hard on yourself. You're a good guy. Okay? Thanks, man. Congratulations. Go Lakers. go Lakers. Let's fucking go, baby. <laughs> Talk to you soon, Taylor. Have a good one, later. buddy. Later, bro. <laughs> that was great, um, Taylor Goldsmith. Everyone, wow, big band, humble dude coming out of Malibu. Shout out to LA. All right, guys, I'll catch you on the tail end with another Taylor. And we're going to talk about my love life. All right, here we go. Now a message from the UN. Frasco's World Saving Podcast. I'm Andy Frasco. How's everyone doing? How's our hearts, our minds? Are we staying out of trouble? Do I have to play the fucking music? Do I stay powerful? Stay strong. If you got addiction, stay away. Say no, devil. No, devil. No, that's all I got to say for that. Um, I got a, I got a co-host tonight. I got uh, Taylor Nix, uh, singer-songwriter from... We're Dallas, Texas. We used to fuck. And um, 
and she came to visit in Dallas, from Dallas to Denver. And uh, so I thought I'd bring her on the show and see how bad of a lover I am. Am I a bad lover, Wow. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for the intro. <laughs> Happy to be here. We used to fuck. You know. Um, but you're the only one of the only girls. I mean, not one of the only girls because I like, I'm a respectful did, man. Right. And, but like. We've we've had a friendship after we fucked. Right. Which is rare. It's hard. It's not for everyone. Why is it hard, do you think, to have relationships after vagina meets the penis? Well, you know, bitches be catching feelings. I mean, men catch feelings, too. All the time. Yeah. You know? So I think, uh, you know, we're just, we're just rare birds like that. We can just uh, tiptoe back and forth over... Uh, Little Do I have intimacy problems, Taylor? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, I think what so. What do you think I need to work on? I mean, all of us do, to be fair. You know? Like, I wouldn't say you're the only one who's fucked up. Most people are <laughs> fucked up. Or have intimacy issues, trouble with commitment. I'm one of those people. You know? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. But I think what matters is that, like, you're either in therapy, seeking awareness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh. But it's, you know... Am I fucked up? I don't know. I'm not going to be so bold to say you're fucked up. I think you're lovable, and I think uh, I think you're going to be just fine. You don't have to be Oprah on my show. Oh, well, I'm trying to lift you up. <laughs> you don't have to lift me up on this show. No, I don't think you're fucked If you're fucked up, I'm fucked up. So why do you think... Why do you think we can't keep relationships? Um, Because we haven't... Either we haven't, like, dealt with the right shit on our own terms yet... Pass me that wine. We're or drinking. We're, we're drinking. We're talking about this shit. We're What's, drinking. Tell us. Uh, tell our friends the the kind of wine we're drinking here. We're drinking a Nieva York Pet Knot. Some bubbles, uh, Benny and Zoids wines from Denver. Nice, nice stuff. Nice little plug. But yeah, but it's from New York. But yeah, go ahead and plug that. Thank you. Um, why do you think? Uh, we can't keep relationships. Yeah, why? Because we're not we're not meant to yet. I think every like everything timing wise is divine, and we have other shit to be dealing with. You fuck in the neighborhood too. In the neighborhood, do you I fuck people? Like, are you my... are you hooking up? Oh, in my neighborhood. You fucking you fucking. Yeah. Oh yeah. Multiple people. Uh, a couple. Yeah. I like to switch off. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you like about having multiple people? It doesn't require me to get too emotionally deep with any one person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. What do you think? Because I can keep it a little surface level, you know? If I only see you bi-weekly, then, you know, it can. it's just like a... It's transactional. Okay, so when you do that, it's mm-hmm. fine. When men do that, is it... Fine as well. It's fine as well. Yes, absolutely. So why do we have to put characteristics on intimacy why can't we be intimate with more than just one person well i think communication is usually lacking so you're not being honest right either you're not being forthcoming about what you are expecting or your partner is not being forthcoming about what they're expecting either they're telling you like yeah i'm totally fine with this transaction but really they're hoping that they can lock you down and make you want to get married. Like mm-hmm. that's not accurate or uh, you know, very fair communication. That's obviously a 
huge lack manipulation. of manipulation. Yeah, essentially. So, it's, you know, you, you're setting yourself up for failure, essentially, because you're not communicating. But how can you tell when people are lying? Shouldn't people just be honest if they're trying to be should intimate be. with somebody? Yeah, it should be. But obviously, but are you human. honest? Sometimes, not all the time. What What's the shadiest thing you've done? Shadiest thing I've done? Yeah, like, like with a man. I mean, besides lie to him? Yeah. That's pretty much, I think that's as shady as it gets is to lie, lie to somebody. Yeah. So why do you think we need to lie to keep a relationship? Well, we we lie to protect ourselves from. Put the microphone close to your mouth. Some kind of. Thank you. You're welcome. We lie to protect ourselves from being vulnerable, probably, you know, from like actually having to be super honest with ourselves and with somebody else. Um, I think where you can get into good transactional relationships when both of you know exactly what the other person desires from the relationship and like doesn't have any expectation to exceed that or change that in any way. So it's like for us, for example, you know, we can appreciate and love each other as people and not have those added expectations. Not that we're still fucking, but no, you know what I'm saying? That we, in the past, neither of us had unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I came in. I came into your life like a bad in hell. Right. You did too. Same. Did you have expectations? Did you want to be my uh, girlfriend? Um, I think I was interested in you as a person. Like, I don't think I had an agenda per se, but I think that I enjoyed our chemistry mm-hmm. and our banter and like the general honesty and friendship. Did I bail after we had sex? Uh, bail as in like become distant. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry about that. That's okay. It's an intimacy thing. Yeah. I still don't know. I don't, I don't think I understand intimacy. Well, do you? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I think I do. I have been intimate successfully, you know, like in relationships and I have experienced a close level of trust and honesty with somebody else, like where I felt completely comfortable with them, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally. So yes, I do know what intimacy is and like I've experienced it, but at this stage of my life, I'm not sure what intimacy real intimacy looks like i'm kind of either not ready for it or not seeking it out i kind of rely on the superficial nature of kind of intimacy like the idea of intimacy the the idea yeah i just like to keep the i I like to keep the room light right now that's circumstantial to where i'm at in life so i'm like not into commitment i'm kind of afraid of it right now Kind of not making sure anybody knows I'm really not seeking that out. But that being said, that kind of attracts people that like, I'm sure guys experience this all the time. Like the more you're like, oh, I don't want a relationship. The more people come out of the woodwork wanting to change that about you. Yeah. And that's like, that's a scary, that's not a fun place to be in. Well, I kind of told you that story about getting peed on a couple nights ago. You know, you did. And I'd love for you to dive into that once again for our listeners. I think it's... I, so, 
I went on a date with somebody and I got... Um, Let's say had, something nice about her first before we... No, she was sweet. Okay, good. She I was sweet. It. Okay, sweet girl. She's got really drunk and... Uh, Happens to the best of us. Yeah, and one thing led to another. We, we hooked up and stuff and then... Yeah, she thought she was uh, orgasming and she peed. She thought she was all over me, squirting all over the place. In, in and reality. then I, you know, sometimes like a little thing like that will kind of, um, in my head, like ruin everything. In everyone's <laughs> head, I think in everyone's head that would ruin everything. I don't know. Maybe not. Ah. Maybe some people are cool with like having accidents happen. Maybe, maybe some people like to maybe, be peed on. Yeah, well, I we think know. it's deeper than that. I think we are looking for a perfect something. Mm. And this is why we can't commit. You think it's perfection that we're after? I think it's it's uh, the impossible we're trying to catch. You think? Well, I think, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I think with me sometimes. As far as a person it, or a an person. experience? Okay. Because if something's going to deflect me from from doing my my dreams and stuff, mm-hmm. then it's got to be a fucking unicorn. <laughs> yeah. But am I just making my standards too high and I need to get that out of my head that no one's perfect? Yes. Yeah. I think honestly what it is for me, I can't really speak to your fucked up issues (laughs) i can really only speak to my own but i think that it's hard for me to truly love somebody else because i have a hard time truly loving myself sometimes and i don't think i can actually see someone else as like okay you're good if i'm never fully okay i hear you i hear you you. i mean it's like I, i don't give myself a break it's hard for me to be like up to my own standards of perfection so how could somebody else ever possibly measure up either so maybe we just hate it's like ourselves a self, it's like a self-love thing i think so you don't think we love ourselves enough to be loved correct it's Fucking like sad yeah so that's why the work really requires us to go inward before we can ever so what how do you go inward meditation all right journaling not enough of that no <laughs> come on <laughs> I'm I fucking mean, I serious. Hear, I hear you about that, but like, how do you go inward? You have to ask yourself some tough questions and actually, like, give yourself a little time to respond. Maybe you write those responses down. Kind of like when you say something out loud, it becomes more real to you than it did before. Mm-hmm. You know, but sometimes you don't actually articulate how you feel. So when you're telling someone else, it might be the first time you're ever saying certain things out loud, or yeah. or coming to terms with some of your own feelings is when you actually articulate them yeah. and hear them out loud. So I feel like the same thing is true about journaling. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to be talking to someone, paying a therapist or a friend to listen to you, then you got to be doing some other kind of homework. It's called, you know, self-esteem. It's esteem of the motherfucking self, you know? You got to do your own work and like look out for your star player. But if you're not willing to invest that time, you're going to be probably a lo- lonely for at least a little while longer. You know what I'm saying? Do you think I could 
live like the Leonardo DiCaprio life and just like just be single till I'm 50. You could. Sure. You can do anything you put your mind to. But you think, no, as my friend, you think that would make me happy? No. No. No, I don't. I think that you'll, I think that if you allow yourself to go inward and like examine some things about yourself that might be blocking you from connecting with somebody on a really deep level. Um, maybe trusting somebody else like on a really deep level. Oh, yeah, like trust it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't trust anyone. I know. I know. <laughs> People that, I mean, like, yeah, I know. I know that about you. And I think that there are people in your life that have proven themselves to be trustworthy. Yeah. But, but you know, maybe if you spend a little time focused on you and actually doing some of these harder tasks like meditating and you know what it is i think uh, i trust people with everything except my heart yeah i'll I, honestly some guy will tell me here drink this yeah i'll drink it right <laughs> or eat it yeah i'll eat it yeah or like you know Same. like but like yo here i want to tell you something intimate like whoa whoa hold Dang, the phone man, calm down calm the fuck down yeah I mean, Maybe same. I just went on a fucking stupid yeah. date with yeah. somebody that I'd never met before. And I'm like, oh, sure. I'll come share fucking a home Taylor with you. Taylor went. I got to tell this story. <laughs> she got flewed out. Taylor got flown out to basically a dick appointment. Yeah. A glorified nature. You inspired. knew that you're like, this was going to be a booty call. No, right? actually, I was fully prepared for it to not be. But <sighs> Taylor. I mean, do I know myself? I know you're trying to be sweet right now, but. Come on. You didn't know that I had the dude an wanted idea. dick. I'm sure. Well, he didn't or want dick. Not yeah, dick. No, the I, dude wanted a vagina. He wanted, yes. Yes. I knew what he wanted, but I wasn't, I did not feel obligated to provide. Let me put it that way. However, mm-hmm. you know, a woman has needs. <laughs> and given the right circumstances and you maybe, wanted a vacation you know i wanted a vacation more than i wanted the dick to be completely honest i had dick at home that was doing just fine for me but i wanted to go to colorado yeah. so when someone said hey let me fly you out to come hang out for a weekend did i jump at the opportunity yes and you called me the day after saying get me the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> I sent you the eyeball said uh, she's over it. So why? Okay. But that's what I'm saying. I was saying I'm willing to take this risk and trust this person with my life, essentially, <laughs> that they're not going to chop me up into a bunch of million pieces. <laughs> um, but when he was wanting to cuddle and kiss me in the middle of the night, I was like, that's where I draw the line, sir. I don't so, trust you for all that. Okay. So you will just like a, a fuck. But yeah. you won't. You don't want intimacy. I do, but I won't give that to just anybody. I don't even try that with just. But anybody. you fucked this dude on the day one. That's not intimacy. That's a oh, transaction. It was just a bang out. Yeah, it's transactional. It was transactional for me. We want what we don't have at the present moment. Yeah, yeah. Like we have. I think we. I don't. I think we have what we need probably right now. I think that timing is divine. I think that. We'll be ready to have what's meant for us, like when we're ready. Like we're just not ready right now, and that's okay. It's okay that you're 32, 
You're about to be 33? Yeah. Um, I think that when you're ready for that, you'll know that. You know what I mean? I think when I'm ready for that, I'll know that. I think I need to do more soul work. I think mm-hmm. you probably could benefit from a little bit of going inward. You know, maybe doing maybe doing mushrooms by yourself. I do that all the time. You do? That's good. I think that's a good practice. I think I do that when I'm trying to like dive a little deeper with myself and address some like shadow. You still do cocaine? No. No? Mm-mm. No Adderall? No no uppers at all? No. Wow, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Taylor Nicks. Man, it's fucking hard. Yeah. I got to admit. I had a little relapse couple, uh, on my vacation. Yeah. Not realized, but I did coke for a couple of days. I've been tempted to do cocaine. I did, honestly, I did Somali recently, but I haven't done cocaine or Adderall in 11 going on 12 months. Wow. October We're proud 3rd. of you. Thank you. Thanks for coming to the Ho Memoirs. <laughs> Confessions. Confessions of a Ho <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Episode one. Um, thanks for being on the show again, hey, Taylor. Thanks for having me, Andy. Uh, do you think we'll ever get away from it? One day. Yeah? Yeah, maybe. All right. I look forward to it. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> good night. God bless. Good night. God bless. You tuned in to the third season of Blissful Blah at Andy Fresco's World Saving Podcast. Produced by Andy Fresco, Joe Angel, and Chris Lawrence. Please subscribe, rate the show on iTunes and Spotify so we can make this a worldwide phenomenon. For info on the show, please head to Instagram at World Saving Podcast. For more info on blogger tour dates, head to andyfresco.com. Check out the new album, Keep On Keeping On. Or let Andy entertain you at a Thursday night online shit show. Or at this crazy Saturday night wanna dance with somebody dance by. Alright, summer season is here, no festivals, no music, so instead of trying to keep the lip going and hoping to find some shitty patron bone at Juba Gigs this summer, I decided to reroute. Building closets and wardrobes, build a tiny summer house and do some painting. It will be October in no time, and yes, I sort of hate it compared to the wonderful life I live. But I'm also thankful that people trust my skills or my good looks or whatever, they have my back. And I managed to make some money. The big danger in this line of work, actually, it pays a lot better than being a musician. All right, how are you doing? Making ends meet? Worried? No work? Putting on a virtual dance party every week? Let's make sure to carry each other, get one another's backs, keep each other safe, keep each other sane, keep each other healthy. Let's unite, for it will be a long road ahead. See you next week.